The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force continues to seep into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Our four brave adventurers foiled its mysterious plans twice, bringing Jack the Ripper to justice and stopping it from unleashing panic from an ancient tomb. But now our four heroes have evil's full attention. Can they keep this force from holding illimitable dominion over all? Find out as they face the Red Death. So Finn and James, as I think you probably remember, the last thing you remember is collapsing onto the floor of your favorite bar while members of the White Sword surrounded you. You two come in and out of things on a very bumpy ride tied up in a little makeshift sled being dragged by horses. It's definitely the least comfortable ride you've ever taken. Uh, and it's definitely not helped by the fact that you have this throbbing headache, which you can only assume is from what they use to knock you out. But you're dragged for quite some time and it's hard to tell because you're still so loopy that you're in and out of things. Can I, uh, with a belly full of alcohol and drugs, throw up on someone? Uh, roll comp. <laughs> Out of character, Tim is not happy with what's about to happen. I'm not sure who else is around James right now. I know. I, it, it was after I said it, I realized, well, there's probably only one person within throwing up on range. That's accurate. Uh, that's an eight to throw up. Uh, actually, I got to add stuff to it. That is an 11 to throw up. No, you just make it. We're going to say 10 on that one. Okay, so no throwing up. No throwing up. Congratulations. There's a scary moment where Sawyer <laughs> comes to eyes lock, Jake cheeks <laughs> right. buff up. Yeah, Sawyer comes to, to this sort of like half burp and smells this terrible thing. Uh, Sawyer, why don't you give me a revenge constitution save on this very serious podcast? <laughs> uh, 10 plus 4, so 14. Yep, you make it too. Um, so you shoot him this kind of nasty look and then you hit a big bump, your head gets jostled and both of you are out again. So you start to come to a little bit more as you're being carried into uh, a cabin and everything's blurry around you, but give me a perception check, both of you. Um, that is 10. 11. All right, so both of you are not really able to make out anything around you. You just see that you're somewhere out in the, the wilderness, um, probably, uh, just based on the, the rustic cabin that you're kind of roughly tossed into. Can I do a quick check of my belongings? My yes. effects? <laughs> are my pistols there? Your pistols are not. Is my boot knife there? It is not. Is the knife I put in James' boot without him knowing it there? Uh, it is not. Is my hat still with me? Uh, it is, pro <laughs> uh, I'm going to roll for hat. 
It is. That's the only thing that I really care about at the moment. Okay. Not oh, except for, it, I have a silver cigarette case. Is that there? It's in it the inside of my best pocket. Uh, yes. Okay. So I feel <clears throat> that. I feel my hat. I can get a gun later. Mm-hmm. James, you got to keep better track of that knife I gave you. I assume my fists are there. Your fists are there. <laughs> I raise them up. Like, you never lose these. And then I let the birds loose. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, your fists are still there. You're still able to flip the bird. It doesn't feel good. Um, Since this is an audio medium, we should clarify for the listeners that James did not release doves from his hands. He flipped me off. So the two of you, as you start to move around a little bit, realize that you're shackled. Um, and there are five guards around you with pistols or rifles. And um, you're sort of on your sides on the ground in this cabin after they drag you in. I, I, Finn, Finn uh, sensing the, the danger and, you know, that he, he's the, the moment for levity is gone at the, just for, well, for right now since it's Kent and I, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll say that Finn is just kind of taking in who these people are, what they have and how to get in and out and all that stuff, sort of a lay of the land kind of thing. Okay. Give me an insight check. Bonus for it, but, uh, 17 on the die and plus one. So 18. Okay. So looking around, even though things are blurry and you're not really sure where you are and your head's throbbing, you see the characteristic tattoo on each of their right index fingers. Um, and you know that you are with five members of the White Sword. I think in this time, James, I mean, I'm taking in everything looking around too, but I think I'm also like just testing the shackles a little bit, seeing if, you know, trying to get a feel if they're weak or not. I mean, James did recently pull chains from a wall, so I think he's feeling pretty, you know, Mm -hmm. if he's got a good pair of weak shackles, maybe at the opportune time. Uh, give me an investigation check. Okay. Uh, with advantage because of your knowledge of materials. Okay. Well, that was an eight for the third time this session. <laughs> I'm out early. And that was a two. So we'll go with the eight. Uh, it's a, well, I'm sorry, investigation, you said? Yeah. Uh, so it's just a nine. Okay. Um, yeah, they seem pretty secure. Okay. All right. So um, can I sit? Can I sit up? Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to make you make a check for that, but it's very, very difficult. Gotcha. Well, and as, as you do, a couple of the guys get a little froggish, um, but they don't leap. Okay. Which one is holding Finn's pistols? Uh, you don't see your pistols. Mm, okay. Do they, uh, uh, judging by, you know, because since I, I've run with gangs before, uh, are these... Uh, mooks that are without leader currently and waiting or does someone seem to be the one that they're all looking to uh give me a psychology insight psychology check on that one yeah i rolled a six uh it looks like you can't tell you didn't roll so badly that you're like that guy the one picking his nose yeah white supremacists all look the same to me anyway yeah I mean, Sawyer's the talker here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think uh, when I see him looking a little weary that Big James is sitting up, um, I'm going to uh, 
I'm, I think Sawyer is going to say something, but it is going to be a little bit of a uh, performance or I don't think intimidation is the right thing unless I, unless anyone can make a better case for it. But uh, I'm going to try to convince them that they've made a kind of a mistake. Okay. Uh, you you have was, things that would make that very easy to do. <laughs> um, I ran with a group in the past that uh, I'm not talking in character, but I ran with a group in the past that had dealings with these silver swords and I'm going to use a name of someone high up in the silver swords that was back uh, west. So ho hopefully it's somebody big enough that they would know, but not, uh, <laughs> you know, the gamble. Hopefully it's not somebody involved in this operation or someone who's died recently. Sure. Um, so a name that you remember is Edwin McCord. He wasn't from out where you are, but these guys were mainly localized in the South. All right. Did he have any type of nickname or, you know, Oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> um, all proper names for all these guys. Got it. <clears throat> so I guess, I guess uh, Finn doesn't even sit up. He's, he's going to wait for, to let them uh, lift him up and put him in a comfortable chair. And he says, well, you boys, uh, you're waiting. Like, they don't do that. Oh yeah. He says, he says, uh, um, Oh, I meant after, after they hear what I say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, you boys handled that nicely, but you've made kind of a big mistake here. I don't think Mr. McCord, Mr. Edwin McCord, would uh, appreciate what you've done. So they all look very confused. Um, and one of them, the one who you thought might be the leader, um, but says, uh, why would that be? If you don't already know, then I'm not going to disclose it. It seems to be above, above your pay grade. He says, we followed his orders exactly. We brought you in here relatively unharmed. And, but, um, what, uh, what, what, what? Someone get me in a chair. They all kind of look at each other. This is where I'm going to intimidate them. All right, go for it. 17 on the die and I have a plus nine. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, they get real scared. Um, one of them hands his rifle off to somebody else and helps you up to sit into sit in one of the chairs there. All right. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, straight straightening him is with his shackled hand, straightening his jacket and everything and um, putting his hat on properly. Um, he flashes just a quick glance at James, just in case this is going to provide any type of cover or, you know, distraction so that James might be able to do something he might want to do. Um, and then uh, uh, Sawyer sort of holds up his hand in the signal of like a cigarette. You need, I need a cigarette. Uh, they, they look at you and the guy who helped you up into the chair is about to, but one of the other guys says, Mr. McCord was real clear not to give him anything till he gets here. Oh, good. McCord is coming. Well, I guess this will get straightened out, but it would be, uh, it would, it would behoove you all to put us in a bit more comfortable of a position. He's going to get a bit upset. They all look at each other a little bit confused. Um, 
And, yep. Uh, and one of them nods at the other, uh, one of the other ones, and he walks out of the cabin. All right. Well, I, I look down at James. What's James doing? Uh, well, first, do I sound better? My mic was set to my computer. I just realized. And so I switched it to the Yeti. Okay. Uh, so James is sitting there on the floor because uh, James didn't, hasn't made his way up to a chair yet. Um, just kind of assessing the situation, watching everybody, uh, trying to figure out. I mean, he has an idea of what Sawyer's trying to do, but, you know, trying to figure out where his part is to play along in this. Um, but yeah, he's just sitting there taking it all in, you know, it continues to kind of flex. Are, are my hands in front of me? Uh, yes. Okay. Just continuing, even though, I mean, he's not going to get anywhere, continuing to just kind of test the, these, these shackles, you know, are my, are my legs shackled too? Or just, yes. Okay. Yeah, not a lot going on in Jamesville. Just sitting there propped up against a wall uh, near Sawyer, I think, and just waiting it out to see what comes next. Okay. Could I have done a, a, a sleight of hand? When? When I was being sat in the chair. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's going to be a real hard one, though. Uh, nine on the die, yeah, plus eight, so 17. Uh, all I'm doing, by the way, I'm not stealing something from him. I'm just putting his pistol safety on. Okay. Maybe buy a second initiative or something. <laughs> uh, let's see if they notice. They don't. Okay. I thought about taking it, but that was kind of, a little, that might be a little too bold. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a strong move. <laughs> just sitting there with my hands shackled with a mm -hmm. pistol. How'd this get here? What? It's crazy. <laughs> you guys, you need to be a little more careful. <laughs> I think James finally speaks up. Uh, says, so what are we expecting here from you all? One of them says, Mr. McCord will explain that when he gets here. Well, I guess in the meantime, you could get me a chair. Help me get up into it. That was a really good intimidation role. Um, all right, so... As uh, the same guy who Finn was talking to earlier is helping to get you into a chair, the door opens up and uh, a man of average height and average build walks in. He's in his mid-40s. Um, and he shoots a withering, withering look at the guy who's helping you into a chair. Um, and that guy like takes his hands off of you backs away very quickly and says, sorry, Mr. McCord, they said that we'd done something that would upset you and, and we don't want to upset you, sir. I told them not to put us in a chair, sir. I told us that I told them that you wanted us on the floor and roughed up. He says, well, I told them not to rough you up, but I also told them not to give you anything. They gave me this. And we'll talk about that later. But, Mr. Finn and Mr. Wilcox, it's nice to meet you in person. Charmed. I would say it's, you know, not very nice. <laughs> Considering and, you know, motioning at hands and feet. Could be a lot nicer. He says, we'll get you out of those eventually. But after the stunt y'all pulled at the museum, we wanted to talk more. 
well, I believe we just showed up. Uh, it, it was you and yours that, that pulled the stunt. Not very well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was real sloppy. He says, uh, yes, not my best men going to do that, but you work with what you have, and now here we are. I will say I've never felt a face shatter like that. And I've punched a lot of people. Finn, uh, Finn touches the part of his face that James punched, <laughs> just in memory. <laughs> James McCord looks back at you and he says, never felt a face shatter like that, huh? You're a strong man, are you? I suspect you're going to find that out sooner rather than later. He says, well, I might be interested in finding that out now. I mean, if, if we can do this now and fairly, you know, with you expecting it. He says, oh, well, sure. James raises his hands. He motions to the, to the shackles. And he says, uh, why don't you go ahead and hit me with everything you've got. Give me just one moment to prepare myself. Oh, I'm not giving him that moment. <laughs> and can Finn do an insight check? I want to see what this guy, because nobody volunteers to get punched by somebody that size. Yeah. There's something else going on here. So I rolled a, let's see, 17, uh, 21, and like proficiency bonus, right? Strength? Uh, so it would be, yeah, because you're proficient with an armed attacks and your strength bonus. So, All right, so we're up to 24. Okay. Yeah, so you, you hit him. Okay, uh, let's roll this damage. Oh, that dice went way in the corner. Uh, not the best. Um, 11. Okay. Oh, and then again, right? Mm-hmm. If he's going to let me. Uh, that's not as good. That is 13. That won't hit. Yeah. So you hit him once very, very hard, and he smiles. And as he does, um, he takes a step back and says, that was a pretty good hit. This is going to be interesting. But that's enough, Mr. Wilcox. And you hear the sound of all the guns in the room cocking and being pointed at you. Well, I think James will shake his fist a little bit. Kind of step back or shuffle back, have a seat, and look over at Finn and be like, Well, I hope you have a better idea. He says, But now that that's finished with, perhaps we could talk and get to know each other a little bit better. And as they put the shackles back on your wrist, he pulls over a chair and, and sits down. He says, Since you two are already seated, I figure I might sit down as well. What makes the two of you and your later friends, the sort of people who would involve themselves in a fight at a museum. We are lovers of the art, sir. Hmm. And uh, the pugilistic arts, too, I might say. Well, I don't know that word. I see a shithead needs to be punched, and I tend to punch them. <laughs> oh, I get it. So what were you doing there? Mr. Wilcox, what were you doing there? 
so James takes a moment, uh, and he's already punched this this fella and to to nothing. So I think James realizes lying is not going to get him very far. He says, "Well, we were told to be there because bad folks like you were going to be there." Very interesting. Told by whom? Yeah, now that that I'm not so sure. I want to share with you. Hmm. Told by whom? Well. You know, since you say it that way, I'm fairly certain I still don't want to tell you. He says, well, all right. Perhaps the ladies will tell us once we talk to them. I think James just sits there and stares at him. I don't think he's ready to to buy into that yet. Okay. He says, and Mr. Finn, I know quite a few people who will be interested to know that you've been found. I've never thought of myself as popular, but I believe you. Oh, Hellbound Hollow will be very interested to find you. I understand you just missed running into him some months ago. Roughly a year, was it? Mr. McCourt? Yes. You're spending an awful lot of time talking to us right now. I'd like you to get to the point. Well, okay then. I'm going to kill the two of you. But I believe in fairness and and, and justice. And so I'm going to make sure that it's a fair fight. More than fair. Y'all two against me. Your friend packs a pretty good punch. Mr. Finn, we'll make sure you have your guns back. Mr. Wilcox, if you would like anything else, we'd be glad to give it to you. But in the end, I'm going to kill both of you. Then I'm going to find the women, and I'm going to kill them. I understand they're interesting in a fight. You're going to probably want to speed things along, though. I mean, you're talking an awful lot about this. I'm probably going to die of old age before you get to swinging. (laughs) He smiles. Well... I figure y'all two should have something in your belly and give you some time to have the drugs we used to get you here worn off. I wouldn't want anyone to say that Edwin McCord stacked a fight against him. So we're going to do this tomorrow morning. Give you gentlemen a nice to have, night to have a nice drug-free sleep and make sure y'all get some dinner and, if you want it, breakfast. Y'all too hungry? I've lost my appetite. So be it then. Mr. Wilcox. Sorry, James, I did not mean to speak for you. (laughs) Mr. Wilcox, did that punch take much out of you? Would you like like something to eat? No, I think I'll be fine without. Well, all right then. I will take a cigarette and uh, some whiskey if you have it on hand, though. He says, oh, I I don't recommend the whiskey after what we've given you, but if you insist, you are. But are you a doctor? The man asked for some whiskey. (laughs) Well, very well then. Francis, go get this man some whiskey. Wait a minute. His name is Francis? Yes. Carry on, Francis. And so Francis, uh, the one who helped you into the chair, uh, rushes out. I'm going to remember Francis. So how about that cigarette then while we're waiting? 
Oh, yes, of course. So he reaches into his vest pocket and puts a cigarette in your mouth, pulls out a, a very nice lighter. Did they have lighters back then? I don't know. He lights your cigarette. Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they had ghosts. And it's true. <laughs> yeah. No, we demand, we demand authenticity. <laughs> Elves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The first lighter was invented in 1823. Well, all right. Excellent. He's got one. So you two still aren't feeling super great. Um, James, after your little bit of exertion, uh, you're feeling a little bit woozy. Could, uh, could Finn do one thing? Um, uh, probably being, being in their side of, the, uh, of this before, um, sometimes you threaten people and you have anything to back it up and sometimes you're bluffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to gauge whether or not Finn believes that he already has the girls, the ladies. I, I don't know how he put it. Did he say ladies? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, so give me an insight psychology. And, oh, I only have plus one, so 12. Um, you're not able to tell. All right, so I'm going to have to start operating as, as though that is a possibility. So, I mean, you could, you could ask him directly. Oh, no. I don't, like, okay. <laughs> I don't like interacting with people who have all the cards. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the, uh, uh, I'm trying to think how I can get a signal to James that I'm, that I'm a little concerned. Not concerned, but it's more serious now. So I, I, I don't worry about it. We'll play it out. Okay. I think James is just going to smoke uh, and you know, try not to light himself on fire since mm-hmm. he's just holding it with his lips. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're able to do that. And you're shackled in front, so you can reach. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like a squirrel with nuts. Francis comes back with uh, three glasses and a bottle of whiskey. He pours one for uh, one for you, and then says, "Mr. McCord, would you would you like some?" He says, "Well, I wouldn't want my guests to to drink alone, now would I?" James will take his cup, his glass. And so as he hands McCord the, the glass, McCord holds it out to Finn and says, Mr. Finn, would you like some? I know you're fond of drink. Yeah, but I'm finicky about this sort of company. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry, I don't have any opium for you. Finn's eye starts to twitch a little bit. He says, but if you don't want a whiskey, that's, that's fine. So James I, I, raises it to his mouth. Do I have it yet? Mm-hmm. Okay, James pours in his mouth. And spits it right back in Edwin's face. Oh. Northerners. You try to be hospitable towards them. Spit being the key word there. I apologize. It's not my preferred brand. And I didn't want it to, you know, taint my mouth. Well, then. I think perhaps I'll leave the two of you. Unless the two of you would like to talk. Don't suppose there's much to talk about unless you're going to bring a proper whiskey. (laughs) Or proper company. Well, then. He sort of tips his hat. Gentlemen, I'll see you at dinner. Are you going to leave Francis with us? Oh, yes. These five will be staying here to make sure that Nothing untoward happens while I'm gone. 
Well, leave us some playing cards or something to pass the time. Why don't the two of you reflect over your lives? Think of it as a, you know, uh, revisiting your past failures and the things that brought you here before the end. Both of you give me a quick insight check. 16. 19. Okay. Uh, this is not bravado. He is absolutely positive that he's going to kill the two of you. Yeah, I think James is a little convinced of that too and is pretty pissed off about it. So I think he, he's, all of his actions he's taken are to kind of hurry the thing along. He's not feeling at best odds since he has, you know, really punched this person and they, it didn't matter. So he's not sure what he has left to offer. Mm -hmm. So he walks out um, and the five guys stay there. They sort of ease into, you know, they're not like keeping their guns trained on you or anything. They're still holding them, but you know, they're, they're milling about. They're bored with this, but they're certainly not going to go do anything else. I assume this isn't big enough room for us to have a private conversation. Uh, no, no, yeah. it's not. It's a one room cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think James, after, after 10 or 20 minutes, you know, sitting here, we'll lean into Sawyer a little bit and be like, well, I don't think he has. He says, he said he had to find the, find Agnes and Ignacia. So I don't think he has them. Yeah. I'm not sure but we got to get out of the situation. I'm staring at Francis. Francis is now notices you're staring at him and is now looking back at you. How long have you been, uh, Edwin McCord's lackey, Francis? He says, I've been with the white sword for about 10 years. 10 years of your life, Francis wasted. That's a shame. There's a big world out there, Francis. Well, I've seen quite a bit of it with Mr. McCord, and I've even purified some of it. Yeah, through the lenses you're looking at it, I don't think you're seeing the same world I've seen. Francis, could you get me a glass of water? I don't think I'm going to do that, Mr. Finn. Okay, Francis. When I kill your friends, Francis, I'm going to remember that you did not give me a glass of water. One of the other men, as you say, uh, that you're going to kill them uh, snorts. I'm sorry. Did, did you need something? A Kleenex? He says, <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> you, you have no idea. <laughs> Mr. McCord's going to kill you. I've been told that by a lot of people, son. He said, have you ever been told that by a man with a gun that shoots hellfire? I've seen a lot of tricks. All right. I've seen a lot of corpses. Um, so, so you're like kind of glance, just, just quick glances of over at James when he says the pistol that shoots hellfire, sort of a, uh, okay, we have a little bit of information here. So James, uh, kind of nods a little bit and turns back to them and says, so you all just stand around and watch this happen when it comes time or are you going to, where are you going to be? And Francis says the five of us are, gonna watch that's that's what he told us to do usually when he executes someone he likes to have an audience he of course won't have us do anything it'll be like he said a more than fair fight 
Well, now hellfire doesn't really sound fair to me. And I punched your boss there uh, pretty good. And I feel like there's a lot more going on. He says, he's a strong man, Mr. McCord. And then the other guy says, yeah, he's seen a lot of the world. Right. I think James will be silent for a while. Yeah, I think I think Finn is uh, just sort of feeling out the shackles and looking around the room for anything that might come in handy if the opportunity presents itself. Okay. Uh, give me a perception check with advantage. Oh, I'm glad I have advantage. <laughs> that first roll was not good. Uh, 14 and then perception. Or 18 total. Okay. So looking around, um, you know, this is a one-room cabin. There's a fireplace. So there's uh, some fireplace tools that might be useful if you can get your hands on them. But you're, of course, on the opposite side of the room from them. There's a couple cots. But the the fireplace poker seems like it's going to be your best bet. But there's uh, three armed men between you and it. And we're bound at the ankles and at the wrists. Yes. Okay. Did we, did, uh, we're in a cabin right now. Did we feel like uh, from what we heard or saw uh, that Edwin left the cabin to yes. go to somewhere else or he's in another room? Yeah, it's a one room cabin, it looks like. Okay. So there's probably another place around here or is he coming back? Is he leaving? Like, do we hear carriage or horses or anything? Uh, you, no, you don't hear any horses or carriage. And he said he's coming back for dinner. Mm-hmm. So James is just in a really weird place. I don't know. Maybe it's a mixture of the drugs and everything, but James is really like feeling beat mm-hmm. um, and really pissed off. And a lot of things like James, I think a big part of James feels like he's going to die in this cabin. Like the odds are too great against them. I mean, he's, he's missed people when he's punched. He's never really punched someone and you know got very little reaction out of it so i think james is just in a weird headspace right now um and the part of the part of james that that really thinks that they might escape is starting to wonder if it's going to involve doing something that he's never wanted to do and that's killing someone so there's a lot going on in james head so he's he's kind of just i mean looking at him he's kind of zoned out like just looking down into his lap just really deep into his head all right, so Sawyer has a thing he might want to do, but it might ruin everything. <laughs> I'm torn, Doug. I'm torn. All right, if 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 the if we need to get to dinner, then just x this. But I think Sawyer's going to make James really angry, and I think Sawyer's going to need to fight James, and I think these guys are going to have to let us fight or try to stop us. That's where I'm going. Okay. So while James is looking very... So, so out of game, this isn't going to be successful, but... Okay. Uh... <laughs> well, I don't want to take up the time then. If it's, cause I don't think it'd be that funny if it's not like too super successful. It'd just be kind of sad. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I was going to say some things to make James angry and then, and then try to convince the guys to take our cuffs off so we could fight proper. <laughs> I've seen it in movies.
Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I think Sawyer is reflecting and uh, doing that whole uh, John Wick thing of sort of getting ready to, you know, I'm going to kill all of these people. Mm -hmm. Just got to figure out in what order. Francis is last. Okay. Um, James, as you are sort of thinking deeply about all this stuff, um, your brain gets a little bit fuzzy and you're feeling incredibly tired again. You can roll to resist it if you want, uh, or you can go with it. Um, I think I'll roll to resist it. I mean, I think James probably doesn't want to die, just die in his sleep. Oh, it's just fatigue. It's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's, I think part of him is afraid they'll just sure. shoot him in his head while he's asleep. So he at least wants to be there when it happens. Uh, but that's a three, so he doesn't have much choice in the matter. Okay. Yeah, so you are thinking about all of this, and things start to get confused in your head. Um, you start to, you know, your, your thoughts get a little bit absurd. Um, you start having visions of, of Monty tending to the horses, and then um, Monty turning into a horse, and then starting to turn back into a human and being a centaur. <laughs> <laughs> and you sort of like hear yourself chuckling outside of yourself. Um, and then everything kind of, kind of goes. Nice. <laughs> um, okay. So something I probably should have asked a long time ago, like outside, like, no, Monty is not a centaur. Right. Uh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so after the incident with the ring, would I have, I may have even asked this, if it would have any like lasting effect. It doesn't seem to have. You, okay. uh, you did ask if after you let go of it, if there was anything, but there okay. was no. Just trying to figure out if James is ever going to resort to killing someone. Factoring in if the ring had some sort of effect on him long term that might you know lead to that, but yeah, you you held it very very briefly. Okay, like you really only touched it before Sawyer snatched it out of your hand. Gotcha. Okay, and James goes to sleep at a to dream of centaurs. <laughs> so Finn, you see uh, you see James kind of slump over, and that's looking fairly appealing to you right now. Yeah, I think Finn will tip his hat down and sink down. Try to listen as long as he can before he falls asleep to hear if anybody says anything worth worth eavesdropping on. Okay. Uh, give me a constitution check. Uh, it's a 19. Okay. So you start to feign sleep and you're resisting pretty strongly and it's pulling on you pretty hard between the, the hangover and the drugs and the hangover from the drugs. And you hear one of the, one of the guys um, say, yeah, I think they're out. That was a hell of a punch though. And they all kind of agree. And then you kind of fade out a little bit. Um, And then you kind of fade back in a little and you hear the other one say, 
I mean, he wouldn't take the two of them on if he didn't think he could take them, though. And the other men agree, they say. Uh, and one of the other men says, Francis, you idiot. There's not a man alive that Edwin McCourt can't kill. And then that's when you kind of loll out. Francis. So I'm going to give the two of you uh, total control over your subconscious here. James, what are you dreaming about? So I think uh, James begins to dream. And in his dream, he is... At first, he's at the table with his mom and his dad years ago. He's, But he's an adult. Um, but it is definitely playing out as a scene that has played out before where they're just having dinner and... It's just a nice time um, where they're eating, they're laughing, they're telling stories. Uh, but, you know, James is talking about his day as as a laborer, like he is a full adult in this. And his mom's just, you know, so interested in everything that he's built, asking him a lot of questions about the job and everything. And he's, you know, recounting stories. And, you know, his dad was there. So they're kind of telling stories about stuff they built that day. And, a really difficult portion of a, of the wall that they they worked together and got completed, and I think it's really happy. And then, and then I think that kind of slowly morphs into down in Kentucky, where where um, James and Monty are together and just sitting like on a front porch in a pair of rockers with you know some whiskey between them. And, think as they're sitting there just enjoying each other's company quietly I think everything starts to turn dark and there's just the horses start to to start to run and get um, I mean getting upset and I think that's just this physical darkness just washing over everything and I think it it comes you know it, it's just closing in on James Amani and I think James takes Monty's hand as the darkness like swallows Monty up and James, you know, just feels a tear roll down his face and closes his eyes as the darkness just closes in on him. And uh, I think James just doesn't dream anymore the rest of the time. As the darkness is closing in, what does Monty say to you that lets you know it's probably gonna be okay? It's not completely reassuring, but it's pretty damn close. I think Monty, right before it, it, it takes over completely, I think squeezes James' hand, says, um, says, your physical strength is not your best strength. All right, Finn, what about you? Um, so Finn doesn't like dreams. He spent a lot of time taking things to sort of block everything out, but there's nothing that he can do right now and he chose not to drink, so, um, and there's the drugs. I think I think he, um, it's a weird sensation for him and it's, he's walking upstairs. It looks like in some sort of a saloon with the, with the like housing on top and walks down a hallway, um, sees a dark figure at the end of the hallway, kind of silhouetted 
and he checks the first door on the left and when he opens it up it's uh the same room that he walked into when he uh when he saw his partner had been killed a while back and saw the same scene sees the same scene uh like relives it um slams the door closed walks out of it and, and looks down at the figure at the end of the hall still can't make them out and he walks a couple more steps and another door opens and it's uh james and agnes and ignacia sitting in there but it looks like it looks like they've all been killed as well he closes the door and he's like in denial closing it and angry and he goes walking towards that silhouetted figure at the end of the hall and he goes to draw both pistols and they're gone and then as soon as he gets like the realization that they're gone that figure is like now right in front of him and that's when kind of you know when a dream gets too close to that point it ends mm-hmm. yeah and so you wake up and you've been put on this cot uh the sun is down outside um and you hear james snoring softly on the other side of the of the room probably dreaming about centaurs <laughs> All right, so what's, is there anything else around us? No, it's the five guys. It's a pretty sparse cabin. Um, and, uh, but you see that they've sort of started setting up a table in the middle with uh, a couple chickens on it and uh, getting ready for that dinner. But they're all still there. All right. I don't think I, I want to wake James up because we need our rest. Um, any parts of the cot or anything around that I can sort of fashion into a small concealable weapon? Give me an investigation check. 13. Nope. Total. So I think, uh, I think Finn is just going to resign himself to the fact that until, until an opportunity presents itself or until we're going to throw down with this hell fire guy, uh, he's going to go along with it and try not to, make waves Mm -hmm. okay uh so as you're sort of investigating um mccord walks back into the room uh takes a seat at one end of the table and says uh well why don't you wake them up and see if they want any dinner if they've changed their minds they haven't eaten anything in about 24 hours. I imagine they're hungry. And so, James, somebody comes over to you and, like, nudges you with the rifle, which sort of startles you awake, and uh, says, dinner's served. So, like, James gets himself up and sits on the edge of the cot, looks over and sees the chicken and everything, and he, he wants to eat. I mean, smells mm-hmm. good and everything. And uh, James... Uh, just kind of sits still and says, you know, I think I'm fine. I'll pass. Is he nudging us awake with the butt of the of the rifle? Uh, with the barrel. Okay. Mr. McCord says, uh, Mr. Wilcox, I really must insist. James says, I'm going to pass. I mean, the gesture's almost appreciated, but... 
I am going to insist that I pass. And he says, well, I'm reluctant to kill a man with an empty stomach. And I'm reluctant to be inhospitable to someone, even if they've been so rude as to spit a gift back into my face. But I want you fighting at your full potential when we battle tomorrow morning. Let me tell you a thing. Oh, yes. I've made it a purpose of not killing anyone in my life. I like to think that in the end, that'll make me, you know, die easy. So oh, I, I think you'll die very easy, Mr. Wilcox. Well, Mr. McCord, just so you know that I am going to kill you. Well, all right then. And I know you, you think that's not going to happen. Uh, you, you think that you're going to do what you've probably done to many people in the past, and you're probably going to take a lot of pleasure from it. But I think right now the greatest thing I can do is deny you any pleasure. Ben is impressed with James. So he, he shrugs and he says, well, all right then. Have it your way. I am, however, going to eat this chicken, and it's all set up here. So I plan to eat it here. And he reaches uh, a paw onto one of them, plops it onto his plate, tears part of it off and starts eating. Oh, James is just going to watch him because he knows that <clears throat> prefer James be upset and turn away and, you know, have his feelings hurt or, you know, so James is just going to watch him eat this chicken. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mr. Finn? I see you're awake over there. Oh, spare me. Ben just walks over and sits down and starts eating, mm -hmm. but he's purposefully making a ridiculous mess with the shackles, like reaching with both hands, knocking over a bunch of stuff, reaching over another way, knocking a bunch of stuff, trying to eat, but making it look like he just can't. And it's like, if this guy wants a nice civilized meal, he's ju it's just, it's not going to happen until they take these things off me so I can eat. Sure. He says, well, Mr. Finn, you don't need to do all that. I can see that your, your hands are a bit encumbered. Gentlemen, why don't you attach his shackles to his legs and the chair and the table and let him have his hands to eat freely? Excellent. I'm going to eat. I'm not going to talk to him. And every time he uh, uh, tries to have a conversation, I'm going to chew very loudly. Um, my hat's going to be down a little bit low so that I, he doesn't really meet eyes. And then every chance that I get, I'm taking sharp chicken bones and sliding them up my sleep. Okay. I'm going to kill these guys with chicken bones. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> yes, you might. Uh, okay. I figured, I figured it'd be better to have his attention split instead of both of us on the cots. Mm -hmm. And also to annoy him. Yeah. So after he uh, finishes... Uh, he eventually stops trying to have any conversation with you. He says, uh, well, Mr. Finn, Mr. Wilcox, I can't say this was the most pleasant meal I've ever had. Or even a pleasant meal at all. But when you meet your maker, you won't be able to tell him that I didn't offer you a meal before I sent you to him. Y'all have a good evening. And he stands up and he walks out. 
You hungry, Francis? Oh, they've been eating too. <laughs> so after Finn, after you finish, uh, the other guys say, you know, ask you if you're done. Yeah, I won't be in. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. But I don't talk to him. I just s- signal that I'm done. Mm-hmm. I throw my 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 uh, uh, what is it called? A napkin you tuck into your shirt. I just mm-hmm. throw it onto the table like a surrender. <laughs> okay. So they come over uh, and take you back to the bed um, and reshackle your uh, legs so that it's sort of looped around the bottom of the cot uh, and to each of your ankles and then looped around both of your wrists and then through part of the cot as well. This is just how I like to sleep at home. Could you tilt my hat down? I seem to be incumbent. Um, Francis takes your hat and goes to put it over your face and then drops it on the floor next to you. And he says, oh, whoops, I'm sorry. I need to go clean up that mess you left. I would have expected nothing less from you, Francis. And while he's picking up some of the, the horror show that you left over there, um, the other four men go over to James and uh, rearrange his shackles in the same way. Yeah, James doesn't fight. He just lets it happen. Okay. Is there any way during the night that I could try to pick the lock on these shackles with these chicken bones? Uh, sure. So give me a sleight of hand check. 13 plus sleight of hand, which is 8. So uh, 21. Okay. Unless math uh, is bad. So as you're starting to, you you feel the pick slide in, one of the bones slide into the lock. You try a couple and they don't work. Um, but as you're doing it, one of the guards from across the room comes over uh, and says, oh, Mr. Finn, were you saving a snack for later? And kind of- I had something in my teeth. <laughs> He reaches into your uh, your sleeves and pulls the bones out and sort of brushes them out. He says, <sighs> now, that, now that I have your attention, can you get my hat off the floor? He says, uh, Francis is a bit of a prick, isn't he? And he puts it on your face. He said worse about you. Good night. The Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yansu Davis as Agnes, Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as the Game Master. The Red Death is part of the Role to Play Network. It is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue. Discover more at RollToPlayNetwork.com And do join us next time, if you dare.